he sucks and he'll always suck. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. It is I, Zach Lyons, with in studio, Mike Herndon. How are you doing, Mike? What's up? I'm doing uh, doing good. Doing good. How about you? Well, you know, could be doing better. We could be True. previewing the Super Bowl for uh, next week. But, hey, shit happens, right? Hey, we uh, came close. Uh, so, the loss happened. Uh, yes. You were actually out with... Pretty much all of our fantasy league, their friend, our I was, friends. I was not. Actually. Oh, you I, didn't. I you didn't go. Watching, no, I ended up watching it with uh, Presley over at our house. Uh, see, yeah. that was probably bailing after you had said that you were going to an event. The, led to this. See, the counterpoint is I had watched the two previous playoff games with Presley and Alyssa and Shelby. Yeah, and so we had some good mojo going. So at the last minute, I was like, ah, let's let's just keep the mojo going. Well, keep it together. Debatable, debatable. Yeah, I mean, I will. I will now. say, I did have friends come in town. Yeah. And as as we got into the lift to leave, I was thinking, you know, this could have been their fault. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, but before we get into all the Titan stuff, there is a special announcement. Oh. Yeah. So, prepare for this special announcement. That's right. It is Huxley's second birthday today as we record this. Oh, big Hucks. He turns two. He's all and grown up. Let me tell you about what we've had to deal with Hux over the last two weeks. <laughs> so starting this last Sunday, he has started, uh, I guess you would call it, hitting the, uh, he's two years old, so that makes him what, like 14, 15 or something like that? Yeah. Smegma just coming out of his dick constantly. Oh, yeah? yeah, it Good got so Lord. friend of the podcast Blake Strickland was over on Monday. Smegma all over his oh, leg. Oh my god! And it's recently stopped. Uh, we he went outside and peed uh, two nights ago, and I just heard this big plop Uh-oh. of urine. I don't know if maybe all the smegma came out, but it's just like we were sitting there uh, on the couch, and it, all of a sudden I just looked down. And there's just like. Smegma. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's that's, uh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like you know, two years old, got a teenager living uh, with me now, and he's been keeping us up at night just because yeah. he's like partying and stuff. Oh, uh, he's getting into the the terrible twos here. He's uh, yeah. uh, raging. Yeah, I will say that last night that uh, leading into um, his birthday, he actually slept through the whole night. So it's actually yeah. been really nice. So today is his actual second birthday. Today is the right. actual on the dot, January twenty fourth. Two years old. Oh, that's a good boy. Yeah, good boy. Okay, speaking of bad boys, Titans <laughs> lost. <laughs> yeah, they they were they weren't bad boys. Yeah, they were okay boys. Um, so they go up into this big lead. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're thinking this is it. I mean, this is exactly what we thought was kind of gonna happen. I mean, we. We knew we we thought we were gonna win when but Dennis we, Kelly's ass hit the ground yeah. in that end zone. I was like, "Fuck yeah, we're, we're going over. to the Super Bowl." Uh, and then everything went off the rails. Yeah. Um, defense is mostly to blame, I would say, yeah. but I think that a lot of 
a lot of blame needs to head over to um, not using Derrick Henry, 19 carries. regard, And we had literally just talked about the podcast how when we get behind, we don't run away from Derrick Henry. It's proven in over his whole, whole career, and then poof. Yeah. They kind of went away from Derrick Henry. It was kind of a weird situation, I feel like, because they leaned on him heavy early. I mean, he was getting a lot of carries in the first half. I think he might have had like – 14 or 15 carries at halftime um and then as the second half got going obviously there was the first drive you know they get stopped the second drive they come out and they try to run the ball uh twice in a row they don't get anything uh or no 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 that was that was the drive with the first and five that they didn't end up converting in the weird holding call and all that that we can get into later but um I feel like they tried to run the ball. It just didn't work at that point. And then the Chiefs went on that drive where they held the ball for like nine minutes. And all of a sudden it was like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter and you're down two scores. And then it is getting to the point where it's like, all right, well, now we got to kind of throw the ball to get back into it. And the run wasn't really working at that point. Yeah. So what 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 do you feel have you gone back and watched all 22 at all or anything yet? I, I haven't been able to bring myself to actually watch I, I would say it had to be hard, but I, I know that the offensive game plan from other people who have is mind-boggling. Is this a case of growing pains, or is this the real Arthur Smith, you think? Uh, I mean, I think... I thought the game plan was okay. I thought the Chiefs just played better. I mean, yeah. honestly, the... The Titans got pushed around a little bit up front, which never has, that hasn't happened in weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, the Mike Pinnell for the Chiefs had a huge game. Um, the uh, Chris Jones did not look injured at all. Um, him playing ended up being a huge deal as he was really disruptive. Um, you know, the the Chiefs they they really played good up front. I thought they sat back. They kind of did what the Patriots did. They sat back with their safeties high most of the game. Um, and just their front played a fantastic football game. I mean, it, it, I don't want to make an excuse for them, but it almost felt like the Titans were just out of gas. You know, it it, it felt like they'd been in playoff mode for weeks and weeks and weeks. They'd been on the road for weeks and weeks and the chiefs had just had a bye, And then the, you know, game against the Texans, that was kind of a laugher. I mean, their defense was barely on the field. Like, you know, part of that for most of that game, I, I kind of felt like that was the Titans just ran out of gas in this game. Well, they just could not keep that physical dominance. I up. mean, running out of gas, I don't think is a big excuse. I think it yeah. could, it could be a real thing. When you think about the regular season and people get on these hot streaks, it's why, since the Patriots, you haven't seen someone go 16-0, and and it's why, since the Dolphins, you've never seen anybody go completely undefeated, is right. that at certain times, you just hit a wall. Yeah. I mean, the, even the Ravens did it. I mean, they went, they were, what, 14-2, yeah. right? And they lost to the Browns in the middle of this epic run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. Yeah. I mean, you, drop, you, one you drop one here and there, and it's just that... As good of a team as this was, it just ran into the Chiefs. I yeah. mean, at the at the worst possible time, and the Chiefs 
somehow magically got Chris Jones ready to play, and he yeah. played effectively. Yeah, I was I was shocked that he played as well as it, he did. Which makes me think that you know he's on drugs, yeah. so he's yeah. definitely on HGH. <laughs> and if anybody from the NFL is listening, yeah. it's time to get please. test that motherfucker. Yeah, please test the shit out of him. Yeah, um, I I still you know going into the game, I said. We're playing with house money. Yeah. If we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. Right? Yeah. I mean, if we win, it's awesome. Right. But yeah. if we lose, you know, we lose. It doesn't change anything. And I still feel that way. Yeah. I I wasn't despondent or heartbroken as what most of Twitter the initial reaction was. Yeah. I, I think the angriest I got was just the lack of effort on a couple of the defensive plays for the touchdown. Yeah. Other than that, I felt like, okay, we just it's we just played another NFL game. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what it amounts to is that's any given Sunday, right? Yeah. And, and I kind of felt the same way. I, it was, it was more of a, I'm depressed that this is over and I'm not going to get to watch the Titans. This, this version of the Titans again, uh, feeling than it was. I'm disappointing it disappointed in the team and the effort and anything like that. I mean, like you said, you're playing your third, your really your fourth straight road game against that is a must win game against a division winner. Um, it would have been, if they had one, one of the most, I think it would have been unprecedented for them to go on the road and beat the one, two, three, and four seeds. Yeah, because I was looking at it. The weeks. Giants did not do that on either their improbable playoff runs either. And right. and this, you're right, one of the most improbable play Super Bowl runs ever if yeah. they were to do it. Yeah, it would have been unbelievable if they pulled it off. So I, I kind of felt like I was sad that it was over, but I was not disappointed that they didn't win. I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, who is the best quarterback on earth, um, and he's unbelievable. He he does not make mistakes. Is the crazy thing like he just he doesn't miss an open receiver. He doesn't throw a bad ball every now and then. He doesn't even seem to like a pressure. You know the Titans struggle to get pressure, but when they did, it just doesn't seem to affect him or phase him at all. Um, he's an unbelievable quarterback, and there's no shame in losing to that Chiefs team. I don't feel like. Oh, there shouldn't be. I, I know people think that, you know, we'll get to it here in a minute, that the world is ending. We are in a total rebuild mode. Everything needs to be blown up. Everything needs to be changed. Yeah. Nothing will ever be the same. But I'm with you. I mean, there's no shame in losing this Chiefs team. If this was us losing to the Patriots, I would feel a little bit of shame. Maybe the Ravens, but probably not because I think most people predicted. Yeah, the Texans, there's some shame. All right, yeah, that sucks. But, like, to beat the Ravens, I think it's it's amazing how people forget how we dominated the Ravens, and because we lost this Chief game, this Titans team is just a pile of shit. (laughs) The season was a waste. We should have tanked, and blah, 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 blah. We're in a mess. It's just... It's You're amazing to me. One of the final four teams alive, 28 other teams were sitting at home on Championship Sunday already with their seasons over. So I mean, it's, it's a run to be proud of, yeah. to be sure. And you're going up against a powerhouse. I mean, yeah. you look at the Chiefs. Andy Reid, Tyree Kill. Well, first off, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, who yeah. should have got a coaching job. I'm surprised he didn't. I had- I mean, he's and he's calling plays. You know, yeah. that was his big knock. I think heading into last year was that like, oh well, he's never really called plays. Well, yeah. he's called plays this year. 
Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Uh, you got the combo of Damien. You got Damien Williams back there. Yeah. And then you have um, Sammy Watkins, who's still a threat, even yeah. though he's not really, you know, that top tier. Um, and then you got a solid offensive, like really very good, good pass blocking yeah. offensive line. Very good pass blocking offensive healthy. line. Chris Jones, you know, the honey badger, no matter what you may feel about him. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a few of other young defenders. I mean, you still got Frank Clark over there yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I hate that Frank Clark was able uh, to give a victory speech. Yeah. But this is a, it's a tough team. It's a respectable team yeah. in the NFL. And listen. If the motto was good to great, I feel like we achieved that motto after week six. Yeah. I mean, because if you, I mean, you've heard on the podcast, I mean, we talked about it. This was not a good to great team at all at the beginning of the year. And we made to the AFC championship game. Yeah. Even, even still after the loss to the chiefs, you look at the, the stretch under Tannehill, they scored at least 20 points in every single game, all 13 games. Um, they averaged close to 30 points a game on offense and they went nine and four and the, they beat the Ravens. They beat the chiefs in that run. They beat the Patriots in that run. They beat, um, you know, some really good football teams during that nine and four stretch. So, I mean, I, I just feel like if you're looking at this season with any sort of perspective, you have to feel really good about how they ended things and how how they closed the season on that run. Um, and it has to give you some optimism for next year, I would think, because, I mean, if you want, if you really take that stretch, the Titans were among the, you know, four or five best teams in the NFL over that run. And by the end of the season, you know, advanced metric groups like uh, Football Outsiders, DVOA, and stuff like that had the Titans as – one of the top four teams in the in the NFL. I mean, to them, this was not a fluky, lucky run. It was one of the a team that had gotten much better as the season went along and finished where they should have. All right, let's 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 get off the loss. All right, let's get in Titans Twitter. Okay, I, I yeah. mean, I've been really silent on Titans Twitter lately. Been storing it, up some heat. It has reeked of hypocrisy. And it has reeked of goldfish memory fans. (laughs) I mean, these motherfuckers act like, well, Tannehill sucks. He's the reason we lost because once Henry got shut down, uh, this team didn't win. I mean, they just forget everything that happened for over 10 games. Yeah. Like, get a fucking grip. (laughs) And this is going to tie into another topic of Tom Brady. So this this segment will be pretty long. Yeah. But you're going to try to tell me that the fans who are the the Mariota stands and the Tom Brady as a Titans fans if it was a Venn diagram, they're pretty much the, almost one circle. There might be like a sliver yeah. on one side or the other. Give me a break. Boo-hoo, Marcus is gone. Boo-hoo, Marcus never got us to an AFC championship game. Gr- nice guy. See ya. He's gone. Yeah. Okay. Great, great dude. Yeah. Great dude. Thanks for what you did. Yeah. But moving on. You're, you're gone. Tannehill gets us to the AFC championship game, and we have a chance to do what everybody complained about when Marcus was a quarterback, to have offensive consistency 
from season to season, and they're like, no, let's get Tom Brady. <laughs> no, I, we don't want consistency anymore now that Marcus is gone. Now we might as well just blow it all up. Uh, let Henry walk. He's gonna be. He's gonna cost too much money. We'll never be able to sign Henry and Tannehill and Logan Ryan and Jack Conklin. Uh, Tannehill is who he always. We always knew he was. But Tom Brady's the goat. He's still the goat. Blah 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 blah. And then, but like, I don't get it. I mean, I get it because they're butt hurt. I mean, that's uh, ultimately what boils down to is that the Mariota stands are butt hurt. And they have a chance to get Tom Brady and not to keep Tannehill because they know that Tannehill's the guy that replaced Marcus. I mean, that's what I feel like. I, I do feel like there's a little bit of that transference there. Yeah. Like their feelings towards Marcus were so strong that when Tannehill came in, they desperately wanted Tannehill. They may not have admitted this, but yeah. part of them wanted Tannehill to fail so that they could point at the organization and go, see, it's the bad, dumb Titans, not Mariota, that made Mariota bad. And that not working out they that part of them that wanted to root against Tannehill was just waiting for him to fail and waiting for him to fail for 10 weeks it never happened and then he gets into the playoffs he has a couple quiet games you know by design really more so than anything and then the Chiefs game I mean no he didn't light it up or anything and he's no he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes but he didn't play terrible in that game I mean the the offense put up 24 points not enough, no, um, certainly not. But that Chiefs defense, we got to give it some respect. It, that was the best passing defense in the NFL over the last, what, six weeks? I think after yeah. the Chiefs played us the first time, they're the best passing defense in the NFL from that point forward. So I, I don't think it was a terrible playoff run by Tannehill or anything like that. But I, I do think you're dead on that it's a lot of these people that kind of wanted Tannehill to fail all along and now – he faltered a little bit, at least in their perception, and they're going, all right, see, he sucks. Get rid of him. Now let's bring in Brady. We'll we'll, we'll go with the 43-year-old quarterback that we'll have to totally remodel this offense. Right? Brady, who had like who was bottom in the NFL in a lot of stats yeah. that he's not been bottom of. Well, and it's, I don't, all, it's all his receivers' fault, well, That's Zach. what I was about to say. I don't want to hear that <laughs> it was the offensive line's fault. That offensive line only allowed 27 sacks, which coincides with, Brady at, does maneuver the pocket pretty well. Yeah. But it's also a really good offensive line. They have the best, if not, I mean, it may be tied, but I think they have the best offensive line coach in the league. Dante Scarnecchia. with Keith Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Tied with Keith Carter. <laughs> Dante Scarnecchia takes people you've never heard of. Yeah. Can you name me all five offensive linemen on the Patriots? Isaiah Wynn, Joe Thune. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Ted Karras, Shaq Mason, and what's I can't remember Cannon's first name. That you actually got more than I could have. Yeah, I I could have got uh, Shaq Mason and uh, oh shit, I've already forgot his name. The first one that you said. Uh, Win. Win. Isaiah Win. But that, but that's the point is that any given year, for the longest time, there's only like the most most fans would probably know one or two people on the offensive line. Right. There could be some fans that don't know any, and I wouldn't blame them for it. Yeah. But Dante Skarnicki does more on that offensive line with less than anybody else on the league. Yeah. And you're trying to tell me that Ryan, that Tom Brady can come in here 
and do run the same kind of offense that we had success as that was a top 10 NFL offense. Top five. And, I mean, yeah. under 10 I was trying top to, five. You know, listen, I was trying to <laughs> downplay it a little yeah. bit. And not only that, the probably the best offense that we've had as a Titans organization. And Tom Brady's going to be able to come in and do the RPOs, the bootlegs, and everything that it takes that Tannehill was able to do. There, there's no way. You you would, I mean, the thing, so with Brady, you would have to bring him in, and you would have to create a Brady-centric offense. Like, right. you are not going to put him into the, you know, like you said, all the bootlegs, all the read option stuff, you know. Our and bread and butter and what our offense is built around. That is exactly the, those are the plays that they built this successful runoff of. You're taking those and you're scrapping them, basically. I mean, sure, you can still run but some outside But he's the goat, zone. Mike. Mike, he's the goat. Right, right. Yeah, so, he, I mean, he is he is the goat. Right, right. So, <laughs> I I don't think Tom Brady is necessarily washed, but I do think you're going to have to come in. And we we, for years and years, we've been saying, well, the reason this offense doesn't really work is because, well, you've got a hodgepodge of systems and guys that were picked for different systems and different coaches and things like that all mixed together. And that's why it doesn't work because, uh, you know, it's just thrown together. Nothing's congruent with each other. Now you finally have that. You've got an offensive line that is built to run the outside zone and to run these uh, these stretch plays and play action off of it, that kind of thing. You've got Derrick Henry, who is perfect for what he does you've got aj brown and Corey davis these guys that are you know good yak receivers catch the ball in the middle of the field and then make something happen this offense is built to run the scheme that they are running currently or that they did run under Tannehill to wild success you're going to come put in a immobile quarterback guy that is 43 years old is coming off his worst season since 2002 and totally remodel this entire scheme around him because he he's gonna need to be in the gun more. He's gonna need to be more of this quick passing offense. He's not a he's not a strike down the field type of thrower. He's a dink and dunk. We've seen that offense for twenty years. Yeah. You know, um, that is what Tom Brady is. You need to build that offense here if you're going to bring him here. Why why are we trying to get rid of a top five offense to do that for a forty three year old? I mean. If he's not declining now, he's going to be very soon. Like, well, I, I don't mean, care how much he stretches. He was very much in that to me when Peyton Manning was for the Denver Broncos those last two years. It was like MVP Peyton and then get benched for Brock Osweiler Peyton, okay? <laughs> right, yeah. <coughs> it happens fast when it happens. And so that that he was right in between that. Like, I feel like his timeline was in between those two versions. Yeah. So the uh, how and people are going to be like, "Well, Peyton won a Super Bowl that year. He had probably one of the best most elite defenses." Yes. out there. Just like Brady did this year. Yes. Brady had an elite defense. I love our defense. I think our defense is good. It is not an elite defense. No. And then people are like, "Well, you got Brady and you got Derrick Henry and you got A.J. Brown and Hump and Janu. Think of Brady in there. I mean, I could see that maybe Brady's going to have some success, but he's it's not going to be the same kind of offense. And just because he could have success, on paper, you put Brady with those people, yeah, I could see why you think, okay, you're putting Brady on this team and he's got these weapons, he's going to be good. 
there's more to it than just looking at names on a paper. Right. These guys would have to learn a different offense. Tom Brady would have to be able to meld with Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith would have to build find that find that synergy between Brady and all these weapons for these that these guys know. Yeah. Because you're like we talked about RPOs gone. You have bootlegs gone. Mm-hmm. Whether you like those plays or not, they were super successful for us. Yeah, those and were some of the Titans' Tannehill, most effective plays. And Tannehill, one of the bigger difference between Tannehill and Marcus was Tannehill was able to extend plays, right? So Brady's going to have a hard time. Brady's not Russell Wilson back no. there athletically. <laughs> no. I mean, he, he is... He's, he's, he's just a statue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy for his whole career, been in the league since, like, what, 2001, 2002, or something like that, that has just reached 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not built to run this kind of offense, and I don't, for five years, all we heard about is that Marcus sucks because we keep keep changing offensive coordinators. Marcus isn't good because he can't get adjusted to new weapons. Marcus or Marcus is bad because he can't get adjusted to new weapons. Marcus is bad because we just got a new play caller and he's having to learn new language. Why are we trying to disrupt something that we've seen work on the field? Because you still want to hold on to this doubt. Yeah. Look. Ryan Tannehill, by all intents and purposes, was a top three quarterback this year in the he's, games that he played versus the rest of the NFL. He's hanging out down in Orlando at the Pro Bowl right now. He had 22 touchdowns in 10 games. Brady had 24. Okay, let's let's get a grip. First off, I'm, I'm coming around to this idea that stats are kind of just shitty things. Like, yeah. I, I just am kind of t- like... No offense to Alan Bell. I like Alan Bell and most of the stuff he put out there. But he put out there um, that, you know, Tannehill has only had, like, one good season of um, – one season where he's had the yards that Brady has had in his worst season. Yeah. And then he's only had two seasons with touchdowns that way. Okay. Statistically, on hard paper, if you wrote down the stats and put them side by side, that's true. Tannehill's has only had one 4,000-yard season. He's had two 4,000-yard yard seasons, but the the other 4,000-yard season was 12 yards short of what Brady did this year. Gotcha, yeah. Okay, big whoop. Yeah. I mean, that's 12 yards. Let's, sure. you know, yeah. again, context. It, yeah. He was wrong on the other one because Brady's had 24, and um, t- this year, touchdowns. Tannehill had two 24 touchdown seasons and a 27 touchdown season so he's one season off yeah but if you track what they did this year he would have beat brady in all categories and one of the biggest categories he would have beat him in is qbr passer rating and yards per attempt and yards per attempt is very important to this offense yes and it's that's the that's the thing too throw out all the counting stats you want right but Tom Brady needed six hundred over six hundred attempts to get to those four thousand yards. That means the Patriots, on average, were picking up way less yardage when Brady threw the ball than the Titans were picking up when Tannehill threw the ball. So, are you wanting to take these more efficient Tannehill passes, or do you want to take these less efficient but higher volume Brady passes, which means you're giving the ball to Henry less, which means you know that that's the ripple effect out of that. You know, it's it's about it's not so much about 
putting up volume stats. It's about being efficient with what you do. And the Titans were one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL this year, you know, by any sort of rate stat you want to look at. And that's, that matters so much more than just, Hey, they ran the, they ran 613 passes this year. So this guy could get to four thousand, you know, whatever. Well, what do you think about the people that put out videos? that are like, here's, you know, Look at this throw by Tom Brady. You're telling me that he's washed? Or look at all these video clips that I found and put together, and here's a minute worth of good Tom Brady throws. I I could go into the archives and build a five-minute video of Blake Bortles looking like a fucking all-star if you want me to. And I'll just be like, look at this video. Imagine Blake Bortles running this offense. (laughs) Like, I mean, whatever. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, and this isn't to shit on Brady because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's phenomenal. Fully agree. I fully but agree. He is n- not necessarily his current self right now, as far as like his whole career. Like, and and if you can pull his whole career stats, sure they're gonna be better than everybody's. So why don't we just go sign Joe Montana? Because he, I mean, he had great career stats too. Like, but bring, bring Peyton out of retirement, right? So I mean, the career stats are great. Uh, you know, Brady's the greatest of all time. Not de- not debatable. But we're looking at twenty twenty. And we're looking at a 43-year-old quarterback coming off his worst season in almost 20 years. And we're looking at 31-year-old quarterback who is going into his second season with this team, who was phenomenal in his first season with the team, with all of the pieces that you know you're going to have. So, I mean, he already clicks with A.J. Brown. He already has worked with Jonu Smith and Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and uh, Anthony Ferkser and all these other pieces that are going to be around him. That that kind of stuff matters, and you know we talked about it with with Mariota and the continuity and consistency and everything like that. Helping it, Tannehill did not get starter reps in camp. He did not get starter reps until six weeks into the season. He still came out and played with his hair on fire during the ten weeks that he did play. And now we're saying, all right, we're going to get an off season of him working out with all of his receivers and. Something that he does, and and we've talked about it before, is Tannehill, every offseason when he was with the Dolphins, had mandatory workouts with his receivers. And they were not team-mandated. They were Ryan Tannehill-mandated. They He was getting his receivers together and saying, we're going to go and we're going to throw routes, you know, three days a week at this high school field in, you know, Miami or wherever they were training. But expect that to be something that happens here. And it'll be him working out with A.J. Brown, him getting on the same page with Corey Davis, which is something that probably needs to happen since they kind of missed each other a little bit at some points during the year. But give give him a chance to build on what he did last year. And sure, the statistical regression may come. He may not have a 120 passer rating or whatever next year or a 9.6 yards per attempt number. But I think he could be an even better football player next year than he was this year with these pieces, knowing it coming into camp with the offensive line already congealed in front of him. Let's let's run it back. Bring bring the great offense that brought this Titans franchise back to life back. Why would you want to get rid of that? We've been because of sour grapes. Years. It's sour grapes. I mean, yeah. everybody's like, well, Brady didn't have a lot of weapons. That has never mattered to Brady. And, and let's be Bra- honest, Nikhil Harry was drafted before A.J. Brown. Yeah. So if, yeah. uh, if you want to, I mean, I think A.J. Brown's a better player, but it's not like the Patriots didn't try to give him some talented guys. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Like, yeah. to me, it's like, 
all we've ever talked about Tom Brady and the Patriots is that they take scrubs off the street and they become all-stars and then those people get second contracts or whatever and they typically flame out, right? Yeah. Where where did Julian Edelman and Troy Brown come from? I mean, come on. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Deion Branch, David Givens, Troy Brown. Yeah. I mean, Ben Watson was still on this 2005 team. I mean, (laughs) like, I'm looking at these Patriots wide receivers over the years, and up until they had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and they did not win a Super Bowl with that combo that year. You got to remember that they went 16-0 and did not win a Super Bowl. The whole Patriots motto is next man up. It's it's the, okay, well, you know, there's... um, we got uh, this wide receiver that's playing defensive back. I think we could probably move him. Or we got this defensive back playing. Let's move him over to wide receiver. Or let's move this wide receiver over to defensive back. Let's uh, take this fullback and off the practice squad, put him in here on the Super Bowl, and he's James Devlin or whatever. Like, they don't thrive. Patriots do not thrive on big-name talent. And now all of a sudden it's that, okay, Tom Brady had one bad year. Oh, he didn't have enough talent around him. Yeah. And let's, let's okay, honest, give me a fucking break. Muhammad Sanu was not a bad receiver until yeah. he got to the Patriots. And now he's being made out to be this, you know, bum. He yeah. was considered a pretty good player when well, he was playing. Well, obviously, for the Matt Ryan is better than Tom Brady, right? In this situation. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, Give it's just it's tiresome. He, he if it's not one thing, it's another with Titans Twitter. And now that Marcus is officially gone, even though some people still think that maybe he can come back as a backup or whatever. Let bizarre. me tell you something. He's he's gone. He's, he's gone. not in Nashville 100%. right now. I can guarantee you, he's not in Nashville. <laughs> I bet that he's either out west coast or in Hawaii, and he's never coming back. Yeah, it, and that's okay. Listen, Marcus is a nice guy. Yeah. You know, he did a lot for us. He kept us afloat for a couple of seasons. Yeah. But he's gone. Yeah. Don't take out your hate because Marcus failed. Yeah. And take it out on Tannehill and, because Tannehill the, succeeded. And the funny thing is, Tannehill is a lot, uh, he has a lot of the same characteristics that everyone loves about Mariota. I mean, as yeah. far as like being a great guy and, and like, you know, taking care of his teammates and being tough and playing through, you know, I'd say he has, even has and, better tra- traits because he's actually on social media and it's fun to see those game day posts. <laughs> yeah, and I do like uh, and I like his little uh, finger roll uh, trademark movie yeah. trying to build here. But uh, it's yeah, Tannehill's got a lot of those same traits. So I don't understand why some people are so hesitant to embrace Tannehill when they were head over heels for Mariota. I mean, that's He's a very similar guy, honestly. He's just having more success right now. It's a huge disconnect for me. Like, I don't get how I see people say what Tannehill did for the Titans was really awesome. And then it's like, but it's Tom Brady, so we might as well get Tom Brady. And we got to get Tom Brady and fuck Ryan Tannehill. It's like, I literally see people... Nothing to, not to take away from anything for what Tannehill did for us, because what Tannehill did was awesome. But I mean, it's the goat. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, are you getting the goat or are you getting a chump? Yeah. I mean, not to call Tom Brady a chump, but at any point, it's over. Yeah. And if he goes down and he is just hits that wall then you're either going to have to rely on a rookie or this offense is done. I mean, right now, if you're looking to build and you are looking to stay contenders, because like I said last week, when we win, 
we are still contenders. Mm-hmm. Or when we lose, we're still contenders. Yep. <clears throat> if you're looking to build a contender, you don't get rid of the guy that brought you to the dance. Right. It and it's team building 101, building a roster 101. You don't chase the ghosts of the past. And that's what you're doing with Tom Brady. You're you are essentially very close to signing Randy Titans great Randy Moss <laughs> 2.0. Like I'm sure you'll get games out of Tom Brady where we got zero out of Randy Moss. For sure. But you're essentially getting the ghost of the past. If either he, if the Patriots are letting him go, something is wrong. And and I mean, we're in totally uncharted territory here. Yeah. Nobody's been playing at a high level at the quarterback position at 43 years old in the NFL. Right. No, nobody's ever done it. And sure, if anyone's going to do it, it'd be Brady. But I just every year that goes by it becomes more and more improbable what he's doing. And I don't know that I want to be the team that says, all right, yeah, we've got a good thing, but we're going to bet all our chips on the fact that he's going to defy nature one more time and be able to do that and come here and learn a new offense and learn new pieces and and be able to take us to a Super Bowl. And and be the same guy without Bill Belichick. Right. I mean – he I hasn't learned a new offense in 20 years. Well, people say that he has. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen people say that he's learned new offenses. I, mean, I think he's got I think new people new offensive coordinators. I, I, and that's what I was about to say. People confuse new offensive coordinators for new offenses. Yeah. It's always been the same offense. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this. We've seen Bill Belichick succeed with other quarterbacks. We have never seen Tom Brady succeed without a, a Bill Belichick. And I'm not saying that he couldn't. Yeah. But do we really want to be the team that pays him thirty million dollars because his cap hits are thirty million dollars? His salary may not show that, but his cap hits are close to thirty million dollars. Yeah. Do we want to be that team? And the do whole that takes a chance. The whole reason he's wanting to leave is because he feels like he needs to be paid more and and given the respect that he deserves and everything after all that time, which I don't totally disagree with but i i don't want my team to be the team that is betting 30 million dollars that a 43 year old is going to be able to have a bounce back year in a new system right it's just crazy to me that people can't grasp that tom brady it's it's not like i don't get why people think you can just take any player and just drop them in any system yeah any situation doesn't matter if Patrick Mahomes had got drafted by the Bengals, I can guarantee you that the Bengals would not be in playing for a Super Bowl in year three of Patrick Mahomes' contract. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I can just guarantee you that because it's just totally different. Not to take away from anything from Patrick Mahomes, but part of his development is going to be contributed to being drafted by Andy Reid and Andy Reid Andy Reed team and Probably sitting behind Alex Smith and learning a lot from Alex. And being given the weapons of, uh, Tons you know, of weapons. Yeah. Uh, weapons in an offense where he can just do pretty much what he wants. Yeah. You know, same with Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson haven't landed with these coaches where their system, they tweak their system, it's just harder to plop in Tom Brady and have 53 other people change how they play. Right. Or at least 10. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially telling 10 other players, here's Tom Brady, we're all going to have to change to compensate for Tom Brady. Yeah. 
who may not be good even if you change. Yeah. And we saw this year and last year how long it took our offensive line to gel. Right. Both years under new systems, technically new systems with new players, it took them a while to gel. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen again. And then every hit that Tom Brady takes is one step closer for him hitting the wall, hitting that Peyton Manning benched for Brock Eisweiler wall. <laughs> exactly. I mean, people just don't think of the nuances and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's not that people don't respect Tom Brady and think that Tannehill is the greatest of all time right. and Tom Brady sucked. Yeah. At this point in their careers, I am going to take the higher floor and higher ceiling of Ryan Tannehill than I will the lower floor and lower ceiling of Tom Brady. Well, and because you already know what it looks like in this offense right. too. I mean, that there's a huge risk factor that that is being excluded when you take that out of it. You know what he looks like with these weapons and with this offense. So it's, that's a huge part of this. All right, let's stop talking about Tom Brady right. and let's get in a little bit of more offseason talk. Uh, people think that our team sucks and we need about 13 different kinds of pieces. <laughs> but we do have a lot of free agents, and you wrote a really great long, long form. Very long. It's probably yeah. what? Um, it was like a 220 pages. Yeah, it was. Is, uh, it, is it shorter or longer than Atella Two Cities? Uh, it was uh, like 5,500 or almost 6,000 words. Oof, it was a lot. That's a lot of words. Yeah. So we have Jack Conklin. We have Logan Ryan. We have like what, twenty-two free agents or twenty-two total free agents. That includes the restricted free agents. So the guys that are uh, exclusive rights um, free agents, which are Ferkser, Batson, and um, uh, who's the other one? Ferkser, Batson. There's one other, right? But whatever. Those guys are going to be back because all you have to do is tender them the minimum qualifying offer which ends up being like six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand bucks those guys will be back because i mean for that much money gilbert was the other one gilbert yep yep so those guys will all be back um and they'll be back cheap because if if you tender them that and then you have to cut them after camp you're not out any real money um so those are guys you'll you'll bring back and they'll probably have a pretty good shot at making the team um and then the other 19 um, I think there's one, there might be one restricted free agent in there, but, uh, the most, most of the guys are unrestricted. So there is going to be a good bit of turnover most likely, but, um, the critical guys are really those big four to me. Um, yeah. So that would be Tannehill, Henry Conklin, Logan, Wright. Yeah. Are, do they have the possibility to bring all four back and still, be able to fill the other uh, 18 holes on this roster to where they're contenders again. Yes. Pretty yeah, easy. I agree. I mean, I don't see any reason yeah. why they couldn't because I know you listed other cuts, uh, Cam Wake, D- Delaney Walker, Ryan Suckup, Deion Lewis. Yeah. I mean, you could pretty much guarantee three of those four are gone. Yeah. I mean, Maybe they- Delaney's restructured, but I think Cam Wake probably comes back. He's pretty inexpensive. But I, Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed. Out of those four, I wouldn't be opposed to Wake coming back um, because – they still do need pass rush help. And five point nine million for a pretty good, efficient pass rusher yeah. for what he was, and he's kind of like a mentor too. Yeah. He didn't get a ton of sacks, but he did get a ton of pressure. Um, and I do feel like they missed him when he was gone. 
Um, so I, I would like to see him come back. Um, and then Walker, I think it's a restructure for Walker. If he does come back, you, you can't have an $8 million cap hit for him at this point at 36 years old with John o. Smith already basically breaking out as the tight end one this year. Um, so do you, th- I'm reading through this. You have Malcolm Butler and Jarrell Casey as possible restructures. Yeah. Daquan Jones, I could see. Yeah. Do you really think they're going to try and touch Jarrell Casey's contract? I don't. I don't think they probably will. I mean, that's if they really like. Yeah. We're trying to squeeze out a few extra dollars to fit somebody big in or whatever. Um, but I don't think they have to. And and frankly, if you don't have to restructure, you don't generally want to because most of the time, what restructure means is you are pulling money off of the cap this year and pushing it into later years. And with those players, you know, Casey and Butler are both going to be 30, I think next year or over 30. Um, so you're not going to really want to push a whole lot of guaranteed money into later years of that deal, because if they suddenly fall off the table, you can get out of those deals pretty quickly. Um, which that flexibility becomes important kind of as though a player gets older, um, because you don't want to get stuck with a guy that you've got a huge cap hit and huge dead money tied up in, and all of a sudden he's not good anymore. Fifth-year options. Yeah. Adoree Jackson, Corey Davis. Yeah. I think you pick up Adoree. Yeah. And you don't pick up Davis. I I 100% agree. I think Adoree's uh, tag was going to be actually be like $9 million yeah, or something. Yeah, like right under $10 million. And um, I think Corey was around 13. 16. 16? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a huge dollar amount because he's he's a top 10 pick. And top 10 picks get higher level. So they get the average of the top 10 players at their position. Whereas picks 11 through 32 get the average of the third to 25th highest paid players um, on there. So Jackson's will be a lot more manageable just because he was the 19th pick and Davis was the fifth. Okay. So we can get all these players. Yeah. So there's 22 players. But all those, both those guys will be yeah. back next year. Right. Anyway. But all the, the big four. You feel that if they want them, they can bring them back. Yeah, I think um, when I ran the numbers, even using pretty conservative contract numbers, I think at the end of the day, you can get all those guys under the cap for this year at roughly $35 million. And so, what people I, th- I don't think understand, because you bring up $35 million, and that yeah. leads into what I was going to ask you next, was people don't understand that the average per year does not mean that that's the cap hit per year. Right. The, just because you get paid thirty million maybe this year doesn't necessarily mean your cap hits that way. Right. So people need to really separate the two. They need right. to separate that. Okay, if Derrick Henry is getting paid thirteen million dollars a year, then okay, that's thirteen million dollars against the cap for four years. Right. That that, is, that's not, how, that's it not how it works. You can and the way that J Rob has done a great job of it has been pretty much making contracts where one or two years they're very team friendly yeah and people I, I feel like people forget and i kind of got called out for this in one of my group chats is new year new team yeah. right we preached it all year uh you can't take the past and say that okay well this is you know a new team you know and tr- tell people to forget the past right you know, forget it, new team on the field. Yep. So when I bring up that J-Rob, who always makes team-friendly deals, who makes probably 9 out of 10 very, very good moves in the offseason, yeah. well, that's kind of hypocritical that 
uh, you're saying that you're using his past, but you're not using the team's past. To that I say, J-Rob is a constant. He's one person who's constantly done his job very, very well. Right. We have a bunch of new players and new systems, and then once we put in Tannehill, it's a completely different team. Yeah. <clears throat> when you change a bunch of stuff, that's when the past doesn't matter as much. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Bud Adams did. Bud Adams isn't here. It doesn't right. matter what Jeff Fisher did. Jeff Fisher isn't here. It matters what these people that are here that we've seen he be here, it matters what they do. So that's what c- brings me to J-Rob is that people are so caught up of overpaying for average Ryan Tannehill, which we know that he's technically not average in this particular system. Yeah. This particular system is a key word because Derrick Henry fits this particular system. People cannot go and look at San Francisco and their undrafted free agent and then look at Kansas City at their undrafted free agent running back and say, well, we could just draft a running back. Okay, well, then we'll just draft Bishop Sankey. Yeah. Right? That's what we thought we could do. Oh, we can get away with Antonio Andrews. Running backs don't matter. Right. In this particular system, in this particular system, Derrick Henry matters. In this particular system, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry matters. In this particular system, Jack Conklin matters a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't see why people are so caught up in that one number. If you want to get caught up in number, get caught up in cap hit. But you can't ca- get caught up in cap hit right now because we don't know what the cap hits are going to be. Right. And and the thing is, you know, the way they structure the deals, they they keep your cap hit low in the first year, and then it, it raises up for the last part of the contract, and that's to maximize rollover cap and stuff like that, which helps you pay for that contract with basically bonus dollars. They They've... They've done a good job of structuring things, both, you know, John Robinson and I'm sure Vin Marino, their contracts guru, uh, has something to do with it too. But they've done a good job of structuring deals over the years to to maximize the amount of money and cap space they have to work with. Um, yeah, the the question and I guess people are still burnt by the whole Floyd Reese um oh my God. cap hell yeah. issue where they ended up you know, having to get rid of guys like Derek Mason and Samari Roll and um, Justin McCarrens and all these all these guys that were really good players and they just couldn't afford them all of a sudden because they just went for broke right after the Super Bowl. There's a few things that are different now. Totally different CBA. The new CBA came in in 2011. And can you remember a single team that had their run interrupted because they got into cap trouble? I know I can't. I mean, you end up being able to manipulate the cap pretty easily under the current CBA. You can move money around. Usually, you know, GMs have figured out that if you have a bad contract on your books, if you either move on for it from it, or you can potentially trade it. If you attach like a pick to it, like if you say, I'm going to give you, let's just go back and say, Josh Klein, I'll give you Josh Klein and a fifth round pick just to get this money off my books so I can pay somebody else. You can do that if you want to. It's not great business to have to do that, but there are ways to get out of bad deals if they do happen. And most of this stuff is not guaranteed beyond year two. Most most contracts you're able to get out of, even Malcolm Butler, who I think has the biggest contract, uh, free agent contract that they've signed under John Robinson. Um, his, his deal, you could get out of it right now if you really wanted to without being in cap trouble. I mean, it's not... It's, you're not likely to get locked into 
all right, well, for five years, we've got to pay this guy $30 million because they're non-guaranteed contracts. So I, I don't think the big concern about the cat boogeyman coming to get you if you pay all these guys is real. I, I, well, what what do they do with Drew Brees' salary? They always turn into signing bonuses yeah. or something to skirt the cap and create cap space. Yep. It, the cap doesn't matter. We're, we're not at a point anymore probably since the last team I could think of that got into cap hell, real cap hell, was the Titans. Yeah. And I don't think that that exists anymore because, first off, the cap increases every year. We have no clue what's going to happen next year yeah, as far the as the cap CBA goes in the new is... CBA. So might as well just spend the money now and sign these big four. I think you need to sign the big four if you want to carry over the success. I mean, I think Tannehill and Henry are both must. Yeah. But I think equally, Logan Ryan and Jack Conklin are just as equally as important, no matter what people, what stigma they may carry with them. I mean, yeah. Logan Ryan's only good in the slot. Well, that's fine. Because he plays the slot. <laughs> he plays the slot. You know, Jack Conklin, you know, people still think he's old Jack Conklin. Well, you know, get over it. Yeah. I mean, you're just wrong. Yeah. At this point, people have to start admitting on Titans Twitter at some point that they're wrong. Yeah. We've done it on the podcast. Yeah. Why can't everybody follow our example? I was, and just meet I was your, wrong about Taewon Taylor. I'm yeah. not ashamed to admit that. Listen, I was wrong about trying to get rid, given up on Arthur Smith in the middle of the year. And, and, and just because you're wrong about one thing does not mean you're wrong about everything. I think that's what, what people get too worked up. And this is a general complaint about social media and that whole age is people get too worked up about, uh, or if I go out and I say, all right, I thought Taewon Taylor was going to be a good player, and I thought he, he could be a helpful piece of this offense this year. Um, if I say that, and then I also say, well, A.J. Brown's really good, it inevitably, you know, and this hasn't happened specifically, but a lot of a lot of times in a similar situation, people will come at you, oh, well, I thought Taewon Taylor was going to be good. You know, they're, you're the same guy that said that. Can we please just stop doing that now? I mean – being wrong about one thing, we're all in the business of making our opinions known. And those opinions, those opinions are not always fully rooted in, you know, we're, we're talking about the future. We're talking about what's going to happen next. We're not talking about, all right, what did happen? Anybody can tell you what did happen. So making predictions is by definition, a non 100% business. Anybody that tells you they've never predicted anything wrong before is lying to you. So, um, don't be afraid to say that you're wrong. I guess that's what I'm saying yeah. is we're all wrong at some point. So if you've got a bad opinion or a bad take, now's the time to come off of it. Don't just sit there and let it get worse. Well, speaking of, you know, predictions in the future and whether you're wrong or right, I have a game show at the behest of oh some of our fans who wanted a game show. Let's get this music going. Game show jazzy. theme five. Yeah, All it's right. a little jazzy. It's will they stay or will they go? <laughs> we got 22 contestants or 22 people on the block, and you're going to, Mike, and I'm going to hold you to this, oh, say, are they going to be a Titan in 2020 or will they be gone? This is my prediction, not what I would do, right? Yes, this is your prediction for what the Titans okay. will do. Okay. Ryan Tannehill. Stays. Marcus Mariota. Goes. Derek Henry. Stays. Fluellen goes. Tajay Sharp goes. Darius Jennings goes. E- 
what's the E stand for again in RFA? Uh, exclusive rights. Exclusive rights free agent Cameron Batson. Stays. Ex- exclusive rights free agent Anthony Berkser. Stays. Michael Pruitt. Stays. Wait a minute, let's go back. Well, we'll go back to Cameron Batson. All right. Uh, Jack Conklin. Stays. Why'd you put him so down the list? I put him in order of yeah. position. Dennis Kelly. Uh, goes. Kevin Pamphile. Goes. Austin Johnson. Goes. Kamale Correa. Goes. Reggie Gilbert. Stays. Wesley Woodyard. Stays, actually. Darren Bates. Goes. Logan Ryan. Stays. Lo- that was uh, close, though. Yeah, that was pretty close. Yeah. LaShawn Sims. Goes. The Brock star, Tremaine Brock. Goes. Ty Smith. Uh, goes. And we ended on Chris Milton. I'll say stays on Milton, actually. So let's go back. Yeah. Why the hesitation on Logan Ryan? Just because if I'm John Robinson, if if there's one of the big four that I'm not really crazy about paying big money to, it's actually Logan Ryan. And that's despite the fact that I really think he's a good player. He does a ton for the defense, but Dean P's leaving changes my thought on this a little bit. You know, whoever comes in, you know, he may not use the slot corner the exact same way that, that Pease did, which Pease really maximized Ryan's abilities as a blitzer and kind of being able to do different things in the run defense and things like that. And I don't know that if he can get good money out there from uh, another team, I don't know that paying a 29-year-old corner who's not crazy athletic to begin with is always the best investment. So if they were going to pinch penny somewhere in that big four, I would say Ryan would be the guy that I would do it with. Um, but ultimately, I, I do think he comes back because I think he wants to be here. I think um, from a team standpoint, he's a smart player. He's a team first player. I, I think he's a good guy. I think he's well liked in the locker room. I think if they can get him on a reasonable contract and that's probably going to be a pay cut because I think he was making $10 million a year on his previous deal, I think he's probably not going to get that on this next deal um, just because of the age and, and stuff like that. Um, I think he, I think he ends up coming back, but I think it's a cheaper deal. So Cameron Batson staying yeah. that one surprised me because we have route God, Khalif Raymond on yeah. the team. What does Cameron Batson bring that you think that they would keep him around? Is it just that he's an exclusive rights free agent, or yeah. do you think there's more to it? It's mostly that he's going to be super cheap. I, I think they like him. Um, when camp opened this year, he was running pretty high in the receiver rotation initially, um, which you know doesn't always mean anything, but I do think they like him. Uh, he'll be cheap, and I don't know that he's going to make the team, but I think he'll be in camp. Uh, and given a chance to compete with Raymond and you know whoever else, because I do think Sharp ends up going and getting a job somewhere else where he might be able to have a better shot as a at a top three role as a receiver. Um, so I think they'll need a couple bodies at receiver anyways, and I think Batson is a guy that they would probably like to have in camp if nothing else than just to have a guy with some experience and that they already know and that they know is a NFL quality receiver. Um, around to kind of compete for a spot. Well, you know, talking about roster spots and stuff, we have the draft and free agent. We'll close out on this. 
Uh, for agency draft, J-Rob does pretty well filling the holes that we need. We very rarely, at the end of a draft or into this uh, addition period, as you may call it, say, well, we really are still have a glaring hole at blank. In this free agent class and this draft class, if you were looking at the holes of what we needed to fill, which I would say are edge, defensive back, that's of some a cornerback, an edge cornerback, interior offensive line, specifically a center, uh, a third down running back or just a running back in general, and a few quarterback of the future. Obviously, quarterback of the future is something you would do in the draft, but those other positions, do you think it's better to target some in the free agency and some in the draft? Or what do you feel like if you're attacking? What's your current off-season game plan for the Titans as far as positional needs and seeking out a certain position to be filled in either the draft or free agency? So I think I think free agency, if I was John Robinson, I would, if they bring Wake back, this might change it a little bit, but I would look at some of the free agent edge rushers. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not super crazy about Clowney because he's getting up there in age and he was he's always been a guy that's really won on his athleticism more than anything else and you don't know how long that's going to stay for a guy that's been really banged up over the course of his NFL career um but he does have the rapport with Vrabel I know they were close um so I I think that's not necessarily a, a like something I would rule out and I do think he would help I think he would certainly help this defense but guys like Ngakwe, um, I don't think Shaq Barrett gets out of Tampa, so I'm not even really that worried about him. But um, I would at least make a push for some of those guys because if they could get impact pass rush help, that really frees you up because then you're looking at a roster where it's like, really, there's not a whole lot of holes. You can go about your business filling in depth pieces, getting guys like, you know, all right, we need a we need a fourth corner or you know, someone like that, you know, maybe if Kareem Moore isn't quite ready for that role or, you know, you probably want to draft a corner this year, I think, but then you're filling out depth with low cost free agents. You might be able to start to get into the comp pick, uh, rotation. If, you know, Titans fans, if, if the Titans don't bring them back, you should absolutely be rooting for Tajay Sharp, Marcus Mariota, Austin Johnson, Kamala Correa, LaShawn Sims, all those guys to get the most money they possibly can um, because that will help them uh, get into some some compensatory picks for the 2021 draft, which would be really nice to to start stockpiling those and kind of helping restock the, uh, the positions where you're losing guys in free agency. Uh, because frankly, the ability to have an excess amount of free agents that are coveted by other teams is just a reflection of how good a job John Robinson's doing. And this is the first time we've had this, this situation in forever. Um, so yeah, if I was them, I would go after edge rush and then bring back our own guys in free agency. And then you go to the draft and you're trying to get young quarterback to groom behind Tannehill, you know, maybe in free agency, you look at a running back compliment because I I think you've got to get rid of Deion Lewis, but then again, you don't want to turn around and, cut Deion Lewis, save the money, and then go spend it on another Deion Lewis kind of situation. I think if you're going to pay Henry the big bucks, you've got to get a cheap guy behind him. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't be 
opposed to them finding a guy in free agency there, but I think ultimately you'd like to draft a back uh, to come behind Henry and eventually take over for him because, you know, I, I don't know how long he's going to end up playing. Like we've talked about before, he's a freak athlete that is conditioned unlike any other player in the league. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if um, I wouldn't go get that guy now just in case uh, his production does start to fall off. Well, we got some breaking news. Yeah. That's right. Breaking news with uh, the men of football and other F-words. Adam Kaplan, about four minutes ago of this recording, tweeted out, Expecting in co- expectations in coaching community is that Bowen takes over as defensive coordinator. In reference to the Tennessee Titans, in reference to a tweet from three days ago that Adam Kaplan quote tweeted from our own Mike Miracles. I hate to see P's go. Thought his defense were always well-prepared and well-schemed. The obvious name to connect here is Romeo Cornell, who spent four years with Brayville in Houston, if he doesn't retire. In-house candidate would seem to be outside linebacker coach Shane Bowen. First off, congratulations, kudos to you for having a tweet from three days ago still be on Adam Kaplan's radar for whatever reason. I saw that quote to it. It came out of nowhere. And but secondly, I mean, your expectations seem to be right. Yeah. We know that Shane Bowen called plays in the uh, preseason scrimmage game right. for the defense. Yeah. So this was kind of riding on the wall. Uh, we were pretty big Tyrone McKenzie fans uh, heading into last year when there was maybe a little bit of uncertainty of Dean P staying. Sure. Um, and I'm still a McKenzie fan. Yeah, we were all McKenzie fans. But so we got Shane Bowen. Obviously, Probably. looks like it's about to be the one. Yeah, Hint, hints Un- are. Yeah, underwhelming, overwhelmed. How do you feel about it? I mean, obviously expected, but yeah, I, I feel I feel fine about it. I mean, I'd rather have it be an in-house guy than them take a swing on, you know, someone else's position coach. You know, because really your options were. You know, obviously Wade Phillips is the big name that's floating out there, but the reason he got fired, you know, or not fired, but the reason he didn't get his contract renewed by the Rams reportedly is that there was a, I guess, a a resistance to changing or to being more multiple in his defense um, when Sean McVay wanted that. They wanted to essentially be able to change things up a little bit more against different looks and Phillips was like, no, I'm going to run my defense the way I've always run it and had success with it. And Phillips has been very successful, so I you know, don't necessarily blame him. But Vrabel's got that same mentality that McVay does from the standpoint of he wants to be multiple on defense. He wants to be able to switch things up and be a game plan week-to-week oriented defense. So promoting somebody from within this system that's used to that approach makes a lot of sense. And frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if, Dean Pease had told Mike Vrabel before the season, look, I'll come back, but this is the last year. We need to get somebody ready. And they probably have had Bowen earmarked and maybe even helping with the game plans all along if that is uh, truly the case. I w- that wouldn't surprise me. That's just speculation, but uh, that would not surprise me. I really thought was it was going to be Sean Mannion, though. Well, ma- yeah. it could have been Dark January. Horse. Yeah, could have been, been January. January. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, we don't know when uh, this audience will hear us next because we will be taking a break, probably yeah. a little bit after the postseason. If there's coaching hires, and then we got free agency primer. 
Yeah. We're gonna take it easy. Yeah. Listen, it's been a it's been a long emotional roller coaster of a been. season and uh we all have big things on the horizon personally. Yeah. So we're gonna kinda, you know, just take a take it easy. Yeah. And we'll be of course, you know, next year we'll be full force and or next season, full force in it. But you know, can't really guarantee when you'll get another episode, buds. Yeah. So but you tweet be, tweet at Zach as often as possible. No. That'll probably hurry things up. No, it definitely won't. <laughs> it will definitely earn you a swift mute, hidden reply, or block. Um, other than that, um, you got anything? Um, I just want to thank everybody for hanging with us uh, throughout this crazy season, and it's been a fun ride. And everybody that interacts with us on Twitter and uh, you know in various platforms, uh, you guys certainly make it a lot more fun. So we appreciate all that. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to 2020 and the Titans being a, uh, Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Hopefully that we will have, uh, a little bit better off season predictions from, from, um, I don't know uh, from the national crew. Ours. Yeah. Ours were pretty fire this year. Well, I mean, our, our predictions were, were pretty much almost, almost done. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just talking about from, you know, no Adam ranks. Ranking oh, us right, three and right, thirteen right, yeah. and such. No, so. I actually do want him to put three and thirteen. Do you? Yeah. Just keep being wrong, Adam. He was all is almost a th- uh, an Adam ranked Super Bowl. Oh, so close. Yeah, would have been glorious. Well, for Mike Miracles, I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow us at Mike Miracles at Fords Pod. You can follow at Zachwords eighty five, but you're probably not going to get anything because I only have time to run one account. <laughs> so for football and other Fords and all the men. Of football and other efforts, you've just been effed. You have been effed.